Hello, everybody. Um, excited to, to, you know, welcome you again to another episode of the Freedom Tribe podcast. In this episode, we are very excited to have Phoenix Ha from LA. Did I yes. get that right? All right. Yeah, I'm actually so, from Los Angeles. Exactly. You got it. All right. Cool, cool, cool. We like, we like having people from all over the world, especially somewhere as cool as LA. Um, you know, like talking to talking about like where I've been in the US over the years, I've only been to to the Bay Area, like way back in the day. I haven't gone all the way down south, but uh, I hear that the weather is pretty nice. Uh, yeah, it is. And if you're ever in the area, I'm happy to give you a tour and your wife a tour because it is absolutely gorgeous where I live. So Bay Area is cool, but Southern California is where it's at. I think it's it's a little colder over at uh, the Bay Area, especially in like in the summer. It was kind of uh, you know surprising for me to to see how cold it was in August. But yeah. Anyways, um, do you want to go ahead and do a little bit of an intro? Just tell us a little bit about yourself, the short version of what you do and what you've been up to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hi, I'm Phoenix. Thank you so much for having me on this because I was really excited when you reached out. Uh, yes, I do Facebook advertising or paid social. So not specifically just Facebook. We do LinkedIn, Pinterest, TikTok, everything. Uh, a little background on me, which is kind of unusual, is I actually started off as a model and uh, in fashion. And I really, really loved it. However, you know, a part of me was kind of really interested in the manufacturing end of things as well. And then I also, you know, was on the runway and learned so much about fashion and didn't really feel fulfilled. So I went and got my degree in business. I was actually supposed to be a doctor originally uh, because my family, they're all doctors. I ended up getting my degree in business and then learned a lot about marketing, dove into experiential marketing, worked with really great brands like Nike, Adidas, uh, Topshop, et cetera. And again, didn't feel as fulfilled. I wanted metrics. I wanted data to back all of our efforts. And we just didn't have that. It was like old school marketing versus new school. Saw an ad for paid social, didn't even know what it meant came in and just dove 110%. So if you're anything like me, a little bit neurotic, uh, just dove in and fell in love. And within about two and a half years, I'm here now, which is again, not a traditional story. People have been here for 10 years, my senior, but I love what we do. I take a very creative approach alongside data analysis and I'm very results driven. So that's kind of my little background in two seconds, but yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, I th one of the things that Hassan told me earlier is your the agency or the company that you work at is primarily women working there. Yeah, so I had an all female team. Funny enough, they, you know, I actually do want to talk about this a little bit more in depth. We could talk about so many different things, but I had an all female team. And when I touched down to Dubai, I lost two of them, one to start on maternity leave and one due to burnout. And it really made me start to think about our industry and our expectations of employees and how it is not sustainable <laughs> and how we need to restructure and really think things through because not everybody can do everything, right? Uh, so now I actually do have, I think about three new males on my team, love them to death, but I have a heart for females in this space because they're incredible. Yeah, let me let me take this one just to, just to quickly. Um, so the the idea here is that I've been having like my agency. I like, started it in like early twenty seventeen, and it's a very very niche kind of like very geeky agency. We just do SEO, but at least that's what we like. You know, offer as a flagship service. So I've always had trouble hiring females. It was like really really hard. Like we, even we we kind of onboard somebody, they spend a few months. And then they either get burned out or just just be like, yeah, I can't really do this for the first four years, actually. So it was I always thought this was like, hey, this is not this is not OK. But then as, as we started scaling and growing the team, we went beyond 10 people. And that's when we started having a little bit more luck. Uh, we kind of like had to work on our structure, how do we, the way we do things over, you know, at the agency. So we kind of got a little bit more you know, better at like running the, the the business. So that's when we kind of like started that having, giving a little bit more preference to hiring females. And it actually kind of does bring a little bit more professionalism, I guess, because it's just, just old dudes. It's a sausage party over. <laughs> over at the but when bit, yeah. yeah, the the ladies started showing up. People kind of like trying to get their, their, you know, their shit together a little bit. Like, okay, yeah, I, I got <laughs> kind of much what I say. 
So it was just, other than that, there's a lot of things kind of like, was a little bit of competition kind of uh, between the team, which is, which is also great that everybody's like trying to, to be at the top of their game. So yeah, many, many things. Did you have a question on that, right? I did have a, a more a more technical question about Facebook ads and things like that. So I was just a little bit curious about the businesses that you currently work with. You say you worked with Nike, Adidas in the past. What kind of businesses do you currently work with? Yeah, so it's a multitude. It's anything from service to e-com. Uh, we do lead gen and we do e-commerce. We have fashion brands that are very well known. We also just, you know, have anything, you know, even solar cleaning. So we do a variety and I actually really love that because it keeps us on our toes. There's no one, you know, one strategy that fits all and we challenge and how we kind of allocate those clients. We have about 45 clients and how we allocate those clients. I like to challenge our team. I go, I don't care if you're a master at e-commerce, you're going to learn lead gen. And I don't care if you're a lead gen expert, you're going to learn e-commerce. You can't ever limit yourself. So I hope that answers your question, but it goes wide variety, very, very wide variety. Yeah, very interesting. Hmm. So how much time do you think somebody who is very good at lead gen, how much time does it take them to learn e-com or vice versa? Not very long, right? So you've got, first of all, how at least I hire, I don't know how you hire, um, our methodologies are really interesting. I have a really great mentor. He is the uh, VP of paid media here at National Positions, which is where I work as an agency in Westlake Village, California. And we have about 150 employees overall. It's a really, it's a decent sized agency. We've been around for about 17 years. And what that taught me is there's standardization. There's a way to survive during this very competitive market, right? You know, agencies don't really last that long, typically. Um, so I learned a lot in terms of how to hire. And one of them is asking interesting out of the box questions. One of them being, how would you describe the color yellow to someone who's blind in two sentences? And that'll tell me if you're a creative person, if you're an A to B to C person, um, how do you process information? Do you answer right away? Do you kind of hold back? And this falls in line with, by the way, like lead gen to e-commerce. So I want to see how you adapt to change. And I want to see how you... I don't know, figure out a way to pivot. So if you have the tenacity to do so, you're more willing to expand your knowledge base, okay? So someone who's an expert in lead gen, they're learning all this, I go, e-commerce, let's simplify it. These are things that you need to look forward to or look, look towards. These are some indicators. Uh, I need you to get creative. These are some best practices and run. And for the first two weeks, I sit there alongside them and I watch kind of their methodologies. And then I usually just let them go because lead gen, yes, is a beast in itself. But if you understand funnel marketing and if you understand structure, it's not that big of a difference. It's your ability to be able to pivot and to be creative in strategy building. Gotcha. And what, what kind of positions do you have on your team? Do you have like media buyers, designers, copywriters? Great question. So this is exactly like that conversation we were talking about earlier. So originally we had one person handling all three silos and that is just burnout to a whole degree like so similar to what hassan said is in seo we have pod structure and we originally were built off of an seo company in the garage of my ceo you know he's incredible but then paid social is a newer department so we we're expecting someone to be a unicorn they're incredible at creative copywriting they could be a media buyer and also scale an account from zero to a million in six months right and then we're also expecting them to be an expert at speaking to clients and pivoting on a whim and making sure clients are happy and what do we find out there well most media buyers specifically women are introverted and they cannot handle that right and you're laughing and i see you and it's so true so as of yep. right now i'm building a pod structure i spoke with nick shackelford uh when i was in affiliate world on pod structure on how we um oh, i think we lost this on for a second but how we structure that. So as of right now, they're doing all three. Right now, I'm creating processes and flows to make sure that we separate them. Uh, we do have one creative intern who's great. We also have a creative department for the entire agency. So we lean on them as well. However, my firm belief is that you're the one creating strategy from start to finish. You should be the ones conceptualizing the copy and creative. Uh, but I do want to pot it out. So it's going to be a creative team that drives that ship forward, that stays competitive, that does competitive analysis. And then I want the media buyers to be extremely 
well-versed in data analysis and scaling abilities. They have to have that kind of uh, one loose screw going, right? So they can mm-hmm. they can scale you to the next degree. And then I want, this, yep. I call it the mouthpiece. The mouthpiece is the sales, is the uh, ability to strategize with the client, and then also the ability to just keep them at bay. Yeah, very interesting. Um, but you said mouthpiece, creative, and data nerds. We'll just basically. say data. data. We'll just say exactly strategist. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, have you noticed that managing these different kind of people is different for each kind of personality? Absolutely. Have you ever heard of the DISC model? Yes. Yep. Okay. Awesome. So, I used to be a dancer way back in the day, um, did hip hop, jazz, ballet, all that. And I joined this crew and they made us do this disc model and it's basically a personality test. And what they do is they wear you down, right? They wear you down, wear you down, wear you down. Same questions for over an hour until you actually answer them honestly, because you want to be one thing and then you become another thing. So we do something Mm -hmm. loose. We like that. And then we can identify what your strengths and weaknesses are in terms of how you process information, in terms of how you, um, execute, et cetera. So to answer your question, yes and no. When we do that hiring process, we ask questions specifically to understand the personality first. It's great. There are so many advertisers and media strategists that are able to just do the job. I need to understand where you are and if you fit within, number one, our company culture, but number two, what we need on the team. So if I know you're introverted and you need a little bit more time to process information, then I'm probably going to give you the clients that are a a lot less, I guess, demanding in terms of communication face-to-face, right? Little things like that. Now, if I only have a slot with high demand clients, you're just not the fit for us. So yes and no, we just hire in a really unique way. I'm really proud of it. There's no perfection to this craft, but I hope that answers your question. No, definitely, definitely it does. Um, and we have Hassan back, so welcome. I, back. <laughs> I don't know what happened. What happened? You guys lost me a little bit. Blacked out for but a yeah, time. yeah, I I did miss kind of a good part of the a really good part. I wanted to actually hear um, about the uh, you know like the the, the the higher end, especially when you started talking about SEO. I was like, huh, SEO? What? No. <laughs> that's my that's my thing. But yeah, I mean. Um, kind of want to like just steer the conversation a little bit uh, to to you know to the personal side to the because that's what I want to talk about really, um, you know the, being a female in the space. Um, so we know how you, you got started. Um, how did it feel? Does it was it different from anything that you've any other industry you that you've been in? Um, in terms of representation, in terms of like what kind of challenges you face on a daily, weekly basis, and in terms of like the way you do your job. Um, yeah, so yeah, just tell, tell us a little bit about, about that. Yeah, absolutely. So number one, my background is in fashion, right? So the majority of people or gender in fashion is, you know, um, gender fluid or specifically female or that of, you know, whether they're gay, straight, there's everything in the mix. And as I came into paid social, it was very work hard, play hard, frat boy vibe. But like that is the demo, right? Or you've got these really introverted people. It was primarily a male dominated, it still is a male dominated um, industry. I was lucky enough to have a mentor when I first came who's female and she's really strong. I'm also very strong female. So I really resonated with her. Me naively went in thinking there's got to be multiple versions of her and there really aren't. Uh, I have had some serious issues. <clears throat> Luckily, my agency is incredible. The CEO, all of my executive team, they're incredible. They they sit me down and go, how can we lift you up? You know, how can we help you be more and be better? And I've never felt that support ever in my life, regardless of any industry I've been in. Uh, so that is my loyalty. Anybody who is supporting women in business, I will be there 110%. And even it comes down to the aggressiveness of how I need to speak to specific clients. I used to have clients that would never address me directly, would only address the males. Um, I've had a lot of clients think that I just don't know what I'm doing because I'm female. I've had, I've seen side comments uh, that they weren't supposed to show, right? Like screen sharing. And they're talking about me because they're like, she doesn't know what she's talking about because she's a dumb chick or whatever it may be. 
And with that comes tough skin. I think in the modeling industry, you hear so many no's, you just don't care anymore. But it also opened my eyes. And Hassan, I, I will like open up to you a little bit. Affiliate world was a big, big eye opener for me. Um, so how many female speakers in Facebook did you see at Affiliate World? I think maybe two or three. I was or the just only one. Just, you're the only one on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, Correct. exactly. Right. So that doesn't mean that I am the best. It just means I'm the only one that was there. And uh, I had a couple conversations with a few men and I had my experiences at Affiliate World with a few men and they kept asking the same question that you're asking with why are there more? And why aren't we talking about this more? And I have the answer and it's just, it's not going to be the easy one to swallow. And it's because the minute I started in this industry, you get tested and you get questioned and you get asked about your legitimacy, which I think is fair in any industry. But I compare it to dance. In dance and ballet, men are born with their center. So they're able to spin, they're able to turn at a really efficient rate. Women have hips, so we are not on center, we're off center. Women spend their entire lives trying to learn all of these skills and there's so much more competition. Men are just born with it. So when a, fee or a male dancer comes in and gets the lead, women get very angry because they're like, this guy has terrible turnout or terrible feet, but he's somehow getting this because he can turn. It's the same in reverse for paid social or marketing in general, because women are supposed to be or have historically been in the creative space, copy space, but not the paid media space, right? So when a female enters, it's kind of like, oh, she must be the token female. And I might be, that's totally fine because you need one to kind of break the industry. But I've noticed that and I've, I've been met with a lot of friction. Even at Affiliate World, it was very difficult for me to break the ice and I had to play the game a little bit. I had to act a little dumb. And then toward the end of the, the weekend, they're my best friends and we're all good and we're all on the same level. But there is a lot more friction and that is what it is with any industry to break through. Okay, so yeah, you, you do bring up a good point here. The fact that, uh, you know, like people think that when something is a bit too technical, then, you know, it's not like a woman's place to be in a technical space. And it's the exact same thing that we have at SEO because SEO is not just, it's not just keywords and stuff. It's also, there's a little bit of code. So you kind of like go into the realm of like developers. And obviously she talks to talk to developers. It's 99%, you know, dudes, <laughs> just, we have, we have development department over at, at my agency and it's just guys. Um, not that I, you know, like, it's just that geographically we can't really like keep looking and and that's, that's all we found just like just guys when you when you're hiring so that's what i try to like because i do the hiring i you know I, I i do the operations on a daily basis at the agency and that what i what i try to do is kind of like pin people against each other i'm not really like you know in a mean way it's just that i want people to get the best out of them as in okay you are going to be doing this one and this is a very technical kind of task or project, and I want you, I want you to be the head of it. So I cannot like for each different project. It's like this female lead is going to be, she's going to be the top. And then on the other, uh, other one, she's so, she, I put them in a way where they have to kind of like, not order people around in a way, but just be, you know, that there's somebody you have to answer to for that specific project. And so I kind of just try to put them in these different positions. It's just so that everybody's going to be super comfortable with each other in any situation and any kind of like scenario, whether it's too technical or because I myself, I'm not, I'm not a female. I'm not technical. <laughs> what I talk about these things is when they start talking numbers and codes and HTML and CSS and I just, I just, you know, zone them out and be like, you guys just simplify this. Talk to me like I'm a five-year-old. Right. This, right. Yeah. So, and this, this has nothing to do with like gender or anything like that. So that's. I kind of like make it, make it their job to communicate better. And when they communicate better, then it kind of just opens up for everybody. That's the key is like communication and permission to communicate is what I've learned. So when I first started, I couldn't, I'm a very dominant person. So in my personal life, everyone knows I have no problem speaking my mind. Right. But in my professional life, it was very difficult because I am new to paid social to a certain extent. I, I feel like it doesn't really apply because of iOS 14.5. We're all new. We're all babies now. Um, 
But that being said, uh, I had a couple clients and my VP, who is my mentor, was like, you need to be more aggressive. And I always thought I'm being too aggressive because I always have to apologize for being a little too, like a little check, right? And now 2022 was my year of like, I don't care anymore. I'm going to be me. And I've seen so much more reward from that. And it's this idea of permission to over communicate, permission to communicate in a way that's effective. So I agree with you, right? I, I will counter that, Hassan, though, because the strategist that just left and it broke my heart, but we're still in great terms, is she told me that she couldn't be client facing. It was really taxing on her mental health because she had to jump through all these hoops. She's an introvert. And I put her in a position where I made her become somewhat of an extrovert because I wanted to challenge her to your point. And I realized quickly is there's a line, a very fine line of challenging and pushing someone over the edge. We also have a very different millennial group coming in. I think it's Gen Z millennials coming in and they really, um, they really prioritize work-life balance and mental health, things that we weren't used to. So maybe, I mean, I'm on, I'm still millennial, but I'm kind of on the edge of being competitive and not everyone's competitive anymore. So it's just a very different hiring space. And to be able to manage is, it's a shifting one. It's hard, but it's good because now I'm going out and taking a walk and looking out for myself. And I'm sure you both are as well. So it's cool. It's interesting. I could talk about this for years. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have any notes about this, uh, Alan? No, um, I was, I was, I was more, I guess, shocked by the things that you shared about affiliate world of like, Hey, I had to play dumb to like, kind of, you know, that's, that's, uh, I guess that's your, your winning script to get into it, to enter the, the, the conversation. Um, but I've, uh, it's hard for me to relate because I, I guess I'm a guy, I think I am. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, and would you be open to sharing more about that? Like, how did you struggle as a female in uh, a male dominated industry? Maybe some, some more specific cases like that, because that's very surprising to me, at least. But when I think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, there's like literally two speakers in the whole events that are female and the majority of the events are like mostly male. So. Very, very interested by that. I mean, we're all the same breed. Uh, the more and more I spoke to the females speakers, which I love, uh, they are the same breed as myself, where we're kind of just very strategic, not only in our work lives, professional lives, but in just understanding the space that we're in, right? Reading the room. Uh, these women are highly skilled at reading the room. And that's, I think, what you need. So you know, they're all killers. They're all challengers. They're all a little neurotic. I call it neurotic, right? Everybody in our space that's at the level that we're at, I'm blessed to even be there and associate myself with, you know, any of you have a screw loose. So <laughs> there's the first step, right? You know, to speak on my experiences at Affiliate World, first of all, let me just clarify, I had a blast. People were incredible. It wasn't like I was tortured the whole time, but I do see this as a theme at any conference, right? It's, you go there as a female, they go, who are you? So immediately they assume I'm in copywriting or I'm in creative, which again, fantastic things because normally women are right-brained. They're able to think things, think about things differently. And I am because I came from fashion and that is kind of the, the beauty of it. Now, when it comes to data analysis, they have this conception that those types of women are nerdy, unattractive, um, you know, these are the stereotypes. Let's just be honest. So I came in there and even like in the first couple of moments, I'm getting flirted with. I'm not being taken serious as a peer, even though they know I'm a speaker, I'm being flirted with constantly and consistently, but it's not a serious flirtation. It's kind of a check. So it was, you know, something about like, oh, I'm in love. But then they'll talk about something else, not you directly, but it's almost like it's you, but it's not you. And they're playing this game to see how you navigate the space. That's how I'm getting checked there of being played dumb. And I have to be a little too aggressive. And if I'm too aggressive, it's like, oh, she's defensive. And I'm not a hyper feminist. I don't take things personal, but I do see what I see. So I just kind of go, okay, cool. You know, I got, I got shit thrown at me because I gave out my physical um, business card. 
everyone was ripping on me that I gave my physical business card out. But because we're digital marketers, you should have a popple or you should have something that digitally scans that gives all your information out. Well, guess what? Because I know about digital information, I don't want anyone to come near my phone and digitally scan my information. So it's one of those things where these are slight checks that I felt I've had, I had some guys at multiple different conferences come and like grab my waist or grab my arm to make a joke about my weight and I'm tiny. And these are my peers. This is not something we would ever do to a male to male peer. When was the last time someone made a joke about your weight, like by touching you? Never. When was the last time someone gave you shit about the smallest, dumbest? Never. But that's the thing we have to navigate. And it's not until I have like a little bit more wit or a little thing that that puts someone in their place that I get taken serious for a brain. And then after that, maybe we'll talk about the technical technical things regarding my profession. And those are just a couple little speed bumps that you maybe you don't see right away, but it's stuff that we know for sure. Very interesting. Do, do you think there's a difference between the direct response uh, ROI marketing world versus the creative Adidas Nike branding world where maybe there you would have a little bit more females that are working in that space? Like I wouldn't compare like VaynerMedia, like what Gary Vee does, branding, things like that, to like affiliate world, which is like buy or die. Um, do you think yeah. there's a difference between those two worlds? Absolutely. I mean, again, like you have to understand PC is more in the fashion world. You have to be more PC because that is their mission, right? And in affiliate world with people, like I said, working with numbers, they see A to B to C. They go, this is my investment. This is my ROAS. This is how it is. CPCs, CPMs, (laughs) far less acronyms in that of the creative world, right? And I think also too, we have to know, and I think the reason why I'm a unicorn is I can take both of those worlds and combine them and go, okay, you know, for, let's just say the creative space, like you're speaking to, there aren't metrics that go behind their mission. So I I work with a a client that is primarily fashion. They did this whole photo shoot that cost them a hundred thousand and plus, and they really, really buy into this conception of this specific aesthetic. And I'm on the other end going, yeah, this is great. In my gut, I know it's not going to work. Uh, because I have a background in fashion, but also I need to look at the data to be able to represent why it doesn't work, right? So they'll hand me all these assets and they tanked. They went from, I think, a six ROAS on average and still growing. They tanked to barely hitting a two. And there were no changes in my targeting. There were no changes to the website. There were no glitches, nothing. So I had to break it down and go, here's the data in reference to the changes that we made. Um So not speaking to female, right, but speaking to how the worlds intertwine and how the structure is too, is you've got all these cool things that make you super excited, but what actually translates to revenue in paid social? Kind of. Okay, very interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) I I think we should title this episode, Affiliate World Exposed. Just kidding. No, please don't. I love them. (laughs) I'm going to Barcelona. I'm just kidding. No, no, I love Affiliate World. Hassan, are you going? No. Uh, Not sure. But I think I, I I wanted to I wanted to like speak at the Bangkok one. I think I like Bangkok more than Barcelona. Not you know I actually live like we're, we're in Morocco, so we're only like an hour and a half away from from Barcelona. It's it's pretty close. We like it. But yeah, I mean I I think I might be going just to just for fun, just to have to, to hang out with the with the with the guys. I love affiliate world as well. Yeah. You know they gave me the the you know the. Inv- they invited somebody like me from you know like not very well known from a completely different you know part of the world uh you know like to go to go there and, and speak so you know i love well, chat killed love, you killed yeah. it well, and here's the thing too about affiliate world that i really appreciate they're 100 percent transparent about needing more female speakers you know the top of the guys like the guys that are coordinating and the women and the men that are coordinating it they sat me down there like, we need more female speakers like this is why we're doing it they 100 percent align with the heart of what i'm speaking to So the problem isn't affiliate world. The problem is there's not enough people with knowledge that this is going on. Uh, I had a a similar conversation with uh, an executive. He's a VP of sales at an aviation company. And there is literally one female um, that her whole job is to speak and tour to let people know that female aviation specialists are there and there is a prejudice against them. But not being so aggressive where it's off-putting. It's a balance. Right. It's not going, we hate men. I don't hate men. I love men. Well, 
you know. This is the thing too. I mean, for for me, like it's in this. I do have a bias towards female. I mean, I have two daughters, you know, so like I'm I'm over I'm outnumbered at home. <laughs> you know, I've, uh, I there's there's like when my wife is pregnant, she's like, I'd like to have a boy. I'm like. I, I don't care, but if it's a, it's a girl, then yeah, it's probably, I don't know, it's probably better. So yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just like, I do have a bias and a bias kind of translates into the business too, because I'm like, I, I, I love having females. Uh, it kind of just like makes, I get, I don't know. It's just kind of a little bit hard to, to, to explain, but going back to your point, it's the industry that doesn't have enough females. It's the stereotypes. It's the people who. The, the, the female is not venturing out to actually go into these industries, whether it's aviation, whether it's engineering, whether it's, it's STEM, you know, like science, technology, all of that stuff. Um, and my wife is a staunch fe feminist. She's, she's, she's insane. Um, she's like pushing my, uh, my 10 year old into like doing all these things and trying all these things. I mean, we're not being, hard, we're not very, being very hardcore about it, but you know what I mean? It's just like, we uh, like for me. So when I put out a, like an advert for for, for a position, um, I, I specifically kind of like go out and try to you know find females because I know they do it a little bit better. And this is this doesn't sound <laughs> professional, but, <laughs> but they do it better. At least they try. Maybe because they try a little bit too hard, a little bit extra hard, not too hard, but just they they go the extra mile, like you said, to try to be one hundred and ten percent in it. So you can tell that. That they go that extra mile says they can be better out at their job and that's that's good but then again when you look around they're not out there they just should be pushed into the you know like being going out there to these different industries um and seeing and it's the same for us like okay so we there's this huge community in morocco and and middle east of like entrepreneurs people who work in the direct marketing you know direct response uh, e-commerce, dropshipping, you know, people who just, you know, work online, digital numbers, whatever. You just look around and it's 99%, uh, you know, dudes. And you, you try to push it like, and it's just, it seems kind of when the ladies kind of look and they see it's just mostly guys, they get a little bit overwhelmed and they get discouraged. Um, so that's, that's probably like why. So. Yeah, there is a, I mean, a lot, I don't know if you had a, a comment. Saw you almost coming in. <laughs> no, so I mean, there is this weird work hard, play hard culture. Uh, I'm not that person. Like the people I had been around in the last two and a half years are like the ones that can drink until like six a.m. and and play hard. And I I have a respect for that because they're extremists, right? Like I was speaking to, we're all extremists to a certain extent. I am an extremist where if I'm bored, I'm gonna learn knitting, cooking, all these things in one. And I probably should just chill out, right? And I'm also getting my degree. And this is, that's my extremism. With everybody else, they're drinking, they're partying, and there's respect for all of it. But I think that a lot of women are in a place, at least at my life, where we're ready, we're ready to have a family. We're ready to settle down. Not all. And we're looked down for it, which is fine. Um, you know, we have responsibilities that necessarily a male doesn't have to bear physically and um, hormonally. And a lot of things are very different. I think also this frat boy mentality of, you know, it's so hyper competitive that not a lot of women align with. It goes in line with sales. It's a very much like a sales type industry where you you do or you die. It's the same thing with affiliates. It's the same thing with paid media. SEO is a little different, which by the way, just a side note, Hassan, we have the majority of SEO, we call them client partners, are female. It wasn't on purpose. It kind of just happened that way. Yeah. So we actually have a pod structure as well. You've got the client partner who is the SEO expert. We also have a, um, not a project manager. He's called a PM program manager and he does, he or she does all of the technical portions of SEO, right? Code, et cetera. And then we have a content strategist who, uh, sends out all of the copywriting, the content, et cetera. So that tear down is really great but the majority are female that's actually pretty cool yeah good to, that's good to know i mean especially on the the content side i guess it does kind of help a little bit i mean and you know for us like the way we do it is because we're basically the most we have 12 people just did just do seo 
But the way I do it is like, because I train people, I put them through a program where they have to do everything, going from doing the technical stuff, going through the content, keywords, everything, and then go into the link building part, which is also like the, the end part of the each project. But, you know, I have to put them through everything. And then, you know, if they find themselves in each one, then they can get to specialize and, and kind of keep going. I like that. That's good. I think you can carry a lot more when you have these pods too. So just some food for thought is when you do that, you're able to obtain far more clients within a pod than versus one person. Like I said, that burnout, but I do like how you do it because they need to know from start to finish how to do everything and they need to be tested and everything to be able to manage because that client partner manages all of the, you know, the project manager or sorry, the, the program manager as well as the content strategist. But yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, just to go back to the point of hiring unicorns, um, when, when I was growing my previous agency, um, we're growing very rapidly and we're looking for people to like replace me, basically. I was the guy who's doing the, the strategy, the funnels, the, the copy, the even some of the video stuff, the media buying, all of that. And I was looking for somebody just like me. I was like, if I can find somebody just like me, I, I'll be happy. I just need I just need like five more people like me. I can 5x my business. So after like six months of trying to do that <laughs> and like a lot of failed attempts, uh, I realized that I can't, and if I and if anybody was like me, they'd probably be doing the same thing. So you can't hire somebody who has the exact same skills. You can't hire a unicorn. So you make a great point by like, hey, you gotta divide up the responsibilities. You gotta have like copywriter, a media buyer, somebody in um, somebody who's a mouthpiece, account executive um, that handle different responsibilities. They're different different personalities, and to expect somebody to be good at all of that is uh, extremely unrealistic. If you're good at that, great. That's why you are in your position, right? And for somebody to be good at all of that, it's, it's definitely un unrealistic. Um, but I did have scale. another thought about, yeah, can't, you can't scale. No, that's that's a huge part. But but I did have another thought about hiring women. I was like, okay, hiring women might be actually, uh, because of the prejudice they're getting in the marketplace, it's probably advantageous because they're, they're probably going to work harder than a male equivalents to prove themselves um, you know, that this is something I've discovered from, you know, our conversation also after reading, uh, Cheryl Sandberg's book, um, lean in, lean in. That was very interesting. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was very interesting. So that, that might be another reason for, for employers, us to hire more women in the, in the workplace, because they're probably going to be putting in that extra 10% that actually makes all the difference in, in the, the work response world. It's such a juxtaposition personally, like I don't believe in just hiring women to hire women. It's like the same thing with the presidency. I won't get into politics, but I don't want a female president just because we need a female president. We need the right president, right? So it's the same thing with hiring. Uh, of course, I want a female there. Great. But I am not prejudiced towards women or men because I need a job to get done and I need you to be hungry and I need the X, Y, and Z. It just happened by chance that they were female. Now, the book with Lean In, great. Like, I, I agree and disagree to a certain extent. Um, what I also think is pretty interesting about women that we don't talk about as often is that women, because we've been conditioned so much to prove ourselves, specifically what you spoke to a lot, is we're mean to each other and we're hyper competitive to each other. And then we get more manipulative. I can't even tell you how many times I've been torn down by an employee or not an employee, but a colleague, because she wanted that one slot. There's only one slot for that female director. Who's it going to be rather than who's it going to be based on your qualifications? The same thing in the male sector too, because you know that you only have one slot, right? Specifically in this industry, you have to fight to be noticed. There are so many men. I can't even imagine. I'm lucky. I'm a female and I got the slot because I'm a female. Great. I'll take it. I know, I know what's happening. Um, but that just means I have to prove myself harder to validate why I'm here. But again, to the point of there's one slot, there's two females, who's it going to be? And we're going to get the other person off. And it's such a weird space. And I think it just takes time. And I think it also just takes, I guess, people just need to know that it's happening and that when efforts for it to change. I personally wish, same with, uh, I mean, the, it is the case to some extent with colleges, but also with applications is you don't know anyone's gender. You don't know anything, right, until the very, very end, and then you're just pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that, that's a very interesting approach. Uh, I'd love to know, after iOS 14, you know, this is iOS 15 now with, you know, the email open rates and all of that, it's, it's getting crazy. 
Uh, where do you think the industry is going the next year, two years, five years? It's a great question. So my approach with iOS 14.5 is just be better. <laughs> like yep, things happen, right? Like it, it's, you can only freak out for so long. I actually just got off a call with a client today who fights me every single week on CPCs versus CPMs and metrics that just don't apply anymore in this world, they're going to rise and you have to look at your conversion rate. You have to look at your ROAS, even if it's legitimate ROAS because of delayed attribution, it is what it is. We have to figure out a way to be more creative. My, my thought is now you just have to be better at top of funnel, which we should have been doing regardless. We shouldn't have been, you know, leaning so much and retargeting or middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, which everyone does. So there's one aspect in the current space, right? That's my answer. Now for the future, I will say, you know, meta is, is very interesting and piques my interest in terms of the metaverse and what that looks like in terms of advertising. I don't have enough information yet to really put my foot in there and go, yes, I can speak to this. However, I just do see so much more opportunities in terms of that space. I think there's a new platform that's probably going to come out. Um, I also think there's going to be a hybrid and working in tandem with retail and e-commerce that makes more sense, whatever that looks like. Um, the future is unknown, in my opinion, right? It's it's the same thing with like crypto, in my opinion. It, it only is as strong as how many people buy into it. Like TikTok, for example, was nothing. It was a kid's app for so long and then coronavirus hit and now it's dominating everything. Um, and it's only as strong as how many people buy into it. So number one, I think metaverse is next. I just don't know how many people are going to fully buy into it, want to buy an Oculus. I think you can also have it on your handheld. Uh, number two is just a new platform. I don't know. That's my, my answer. Very long-winded. I don't know. I wanna, I'm curious <laughs> as to what your thoughts are, actually. Yeah. No, uh, b before I give my thoughts, I, I know you're, you're kind of TikTok famous. Like you have like a couple of videos that are like a million views. <laughs> so I saw that. Did you research? I'm so sorry. I did a little bit of research as much as I could. And um, uh, do you guys run ads on TikTok? Do you have any experience with that? We do. We do. Do you want my take on that? Yeah. What what kind of returns are you seeing? Let's just, let's just talk returns based on TikTok versus Trash. Facebook. Trash. Trash. Really? I, look, look, this is my opinion. This is my opinion on TikTok. Okay. There's multi, it's a multi-pronged system. I think about this with Facebook. This is why I have an unpopular opinion and it is what it is. And that's why opinions are opinions. Number one, if you don't have a strategist that understands the space, like truly like has a TikTok and does it and understands what's, what it's like to go viral, then you don't know what it's like to advertise on there. It's great CPCs and CPMs. Again, I want to bang my head against a wall. Who cares? What's the conversion rate? I'm not seeing a high conversion rate personally on TikTok. And my peers that I've talked to have not seen that as well. But it's a great brand awareness tool. Same with Pinterest. Pinterest is a great top of funnel, um, but not to actually convert immediately, right? You're getting really great qualified traffic top of funnel, but they're not converting at a high rate. It's a longer lead time. That's what that platform is for. Right. So my personal belief is to be able to have a system where you can see all of the platforms and see what role they play within the funnel and then capitalize where they are best optimized. So TikTok, for example, they always say use Spark ads. So if my client is on TikTok and has one video and it has 15 views, don't talk to me about TikTok advertising. I don't want to hear about it because I need you to get into the space and to really build an organic foundation in order for you to understand your niche, in order, in order for us to target the right people and for us to get the, the greatest ROAS and greatest conversion, okay? That's not going to happen if you don't have your foot in the door and the foot in the space in the right way. Um, so for what you referenced, yes, I had a few go viral. Great. But also my TikTok is not built for people to convert into, into purchases, okay? So the same thing with Instagram and with Facebook. So I could go on again for days, but I think this is worth listeners hearing. Number one, Instagram. You go and you see somebody with 1 million followers and you're like, I want to partner with them. This is perfect. Maybe they're in the lifestyle space. Okay. Goes without saying, that's not always going to succeed. Why? Because they've got a million followers and how many people are actually engaged. That's actually not my theory. My theory is, have they been selling since day one? And is their follower or are their follower base or is it conditioned to buy? So 
I have a friend who owns a business and she does like really great graphics on t-shirts and all that. Her 180,000 followers are conditioned to buy at a high AOV. Okay. So if she's going to talk about something that Trader Joe's sold or a really great AirPod, they're conditioned to buy. Okay. It's the same thing with your TikTok. Is your TikTok just fun to watch about stories or is your TikTok going, hey, I really tried this new eyeliner and I love it and then people buy it. So it's the same thing with your TikTok. How are you conditioning the people to look at it? How are, are you creating that loyalty base? And then it goes into uh, influencer marketing. But again, went on a tangent. That's how I see TikTok right now. I'm, I'm glad I asked the question because <laughs> that was the most in-depth response I've gotten uh, from, from, from many people who talk about TikTok. The only people that I know who are successful with TikTok are people that um, had some creatives running on Facebook, their e-commerce. Um, they have some successful creatives that are running on Facebook, Instagram. They moved them a little bit to TikTok. They, they slightly tweaked the editing. That's what they said. And they were seeing a lot better success on TikTok. Now, I don't have access to their numbers, but I have heard from a couple of different people that are like e-commerce, like, hey, it's, it's working for us. But from a, a strategy standpoint, completely agree with you. Like you have to understand the platform natively so that you can create like a Spark ad, like, which is basically an organic video that has to do well organically before you push money into it. But if you're like, you never use TikTok, you don't even believe in it. And you're like, hey, maybe it's going to get me a cheaper cost per acquisition. Yeah, as you said, it's about those vanity met metrics, CPMs and CPCs. They don't mean anything. Like we have to get an ROI back from it. So TikTok's another beast. I mean, like to your point. So here's here's my rule of thumb. And I think you guys probably align with it. I always challenge my team in Facebook going, if you don't like this ad, no one's going to like this ad start from scratch, right? It's the same thing with TikTok. Do you spend hours on TikTok like I shamelessly do? And what do you respond well to? It's those ads that get me that I go, oh man, <laughs> okay, there's something here because I'm an advertiser and you got me. I also think it's unrealistic to hire an agency that doesn't specialize in creative uh, to do TikTok. So my agency, we can do it and we're building that, but that's not what we're known for. And very seldom do you find a creative agency who also has a competitive paid social or paid media uh, silo as well that can do both. It's very rare, right? They're going to put more attention to one versus the other. And my goal is to be both, but you know, if someone hasn't done it yet, whatever. Um, that being said, for example, like it is a full-time job. Anyone who is, any agency that is running a paid social TikTok account should be managing the organic social TikTok account or be extremely close with both teams because the only TikTok ads that work are the ones that almost seem like an organic post, right? Facebook is unique where you could have 50 followers on Facebook, 25 followers on Instagram and still be somewhat successful in ads. TikTok is not that, right? It is not that. And it's, uh, it's also interesting because in Facebook, you can create stock imagery and, and create some type of video and it, it works. TikTok is not that. So long-winded answer to a very simple yet complex question is, yes, it can be successful if you have the right people behind your team and understand the space through and through. And also, what do you deem as success? Cost per clicks and CPMs? Then we're just not talking the same language. Yeah, I love I love your answer about this. This is great because yeah. I've I spent some time at GeekOut, and a number of the speeches were about you know uh, how to kind of like crush TikTok and stuff like that. So that that was a very good kind of like perspective of yours to see that. Um, and you know, for somebody who uh, super old school was still doing SEO since two thousand and five, you know, hasn't haven't subscribed to Facebook or or anything like you know, I haven't gone through the, the, the waves of like what everybody else is doing. But yeah, this is, this is great. I kind of, kind of see some similarities between the early days of Facebook as, um, the old days of Google ads in 2003, 2004, and you know, what's happening here. And, and again, it's all down to, to, to conversions and, you know, actual sales, you know, um, and it's, it's the, the, the way that things are, you know, 
because I have, I have just started using, you know, TikTok, maybe just a couple months or two ago. And it's really interesting to see how it's taken me in. Like the first time I, I got in, I literally, it, I was gone for 48 minutes. I was like, what? It's 48 minutes I've gone, but because I was supposed to be going somewhere and I was just like being lazy, like watching through <laughs> like one video through, through the other. It was just insane. But I mean, but then I was like, wow. So I deleted it and I didn't go back until like six months later. I was like, yeah. this is not, it's crazy. I'm back and I'm like doing it with moderation now. So I just do probably like five minutes, three minutes, just, How just to check it out. How, how fatherly of you, very responsible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a little, little bit insane, but it's, it's good to see how people are interacting with it. But there's a lot of marketers out there, a lot of agencies out there that I'm still kind of skeptical about how to approach it. And I, I like the point that you said, you have to be specialized. If you want to work with a creative agency, they have to be specialized in this and they have to know how, what works and they have to know their numbers and not just on the creative side, if they want to like be able to, 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 to attract the, the right clients. Um, we would like to wrap this up and I think this was an, a very, very interesting conversation. We really loved it. Do you have anything to, you know, like to, to tell our, you know, listeners where they can find you any words of wisdom? Yeah, I mean, first of all, Geek Out is awesome. I was supposed to go to that too, so I could have seen you there. Um, I was I was out of town. Um, so I love Van Oaks and I love Nick Shackleford. They're amazing. So I'm glad you went there. I would actually have to touch base with you and learn a little bit more of what you saw. Uh, I guess my words of advice are like high hopes, no expectations ever. And also, you know, all we are are professional button clickers. I stand by that. We are professional button clickers and you are no more than that. So stay humble. Um, you can find me on Instagram, which is Phoenix underscore ha. If you care to watch my shenanigans, it's never Facebook related. It's always just weird stuff. My TikTok, again, weird stuff. I don't like to speak about my profession too much on my social media. I think it's just more of like, hey, get to know me and if we align, awesome. But I also just want to say thank you for having me. I was very honored. I still am very honored that you asked me to be on this. And Hassan is, you're amazing. Having the first five minutes of speaking to you at Grand Society and you genuine, genuine through and through, you speak so highly of your wife and your, your daughters. So speaking to women in business, uh, I feel comfortable in this space. So thank you. Thank you. Well, well, obviously it's, just, it's always, it's, it's a great pleasure to have you. Thank you a lot. Thank you, Phoenix. And we nice will see you guys. Yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode.